It's been a great privilege and pleasure to be with you, and thank you for your kindness. This is our last study in the book of Joshua at this time, and I want to read with you in Joshua chapter 20. Joshua chapter 20. I wonder if any of you young people remember what chapter of the Bible records the Ten Commandments for the first time. Exodus. What chapter do you think? Any of you older people? Exodus 20. Okay. And one of the main commandments of the ten that are recorded there, there are many others of course, but one of the main commandments that was recorded there was thou shalt not kill. So what do you think would happen if someone killed someone accidentally? Well, let me read to you what it says in chapter 21 of Exodus, a little phrase that it happens uh, so often that we just gloss over. Anyone who strikes a man and kills him shall surely be put to death. However, this is God speaking, if he does not do it intentionally, but God lets it happen, he is to flee to a place that I will designate. If he does it unintentionally, he's to flee to a place that I will designate. So let's read our reading in Joshua 20, and just keep that in mind, if you would. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Tell the Israelites to designate the cities of refuge, as I instructed you through Moses, so that anyone who kills a person accidentally and unintentionally may flee there and find protection from the avenger of blood. When he flees to one of these cities, he is to stand in the entrance of the city gate and state his case before the elders of that city. Then they are to admit him into their city and give him a place to live with them. If the avenger of blood pursues him, they must not surrender the one accused because he killed his neighbor unintentionally and without malice aforethought. He is to stay in that city until he has stood trial before the assembly and until the death of the high priest who is serving at that time. Then he may go back to his own home in the town from which he fled. So they set apart Kedesh in Galilee in the hill country of Naphtali, Shechem in the hill country of Ephraim, and Kiriath Arba, that is Hebron, in the hill country of Judah. On the east side of the Jordan, of Jericho they designated Bezer in the desert on the plateau in the tribe of Reuben, Ramoth in Gilead in the tribe of Gad, and Golan in Bashan in the tribe of Manasseh. Any of the Israelites or any alien living among them who killed someone accidentally could flee to these designated cities and not be killed by the avenger of blood prior to standing trial before the assembly. Now you may wonder why I've chosen this as our final reading of the book of Joshua. There are many other famous statements in the 
chapters which follow this. You remember the great challenge which Joshua presented to the Israelites when he said a little later on, Choose you this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So I, I better tell you why I feel the Lord has brought me to this passage. We thought a little about the life of Caleb this morning. And you remember that Caleb had said to Joshua, Give me this hill country, give me this city, which at that time was called Kiriath Arba, the city of Arba, who was one of the giants in the land at that time. And then eventually, as we saw this morning, it became called Hebron. And Hebron was one of the cities of refuge. And not in my simple convoluted way, that's why we're in Joshua chapter 20 tonight. But it has much wider implications. And you will see immediately that this was the provision of God for those who killed someone accidentally. Uh, the emphasis being upon that. It wasn't an intentional killing, but God has said, Thou shalt not kill in Exodus 20. And so he says in Exodus 21, I will designate a place to which you can flee. And so we come to Joshua 21st study tonight. You'll remember verses like these. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble from Psalm 46 or Deuteronomy 33:27. The eternal God is our refuge and underneath are the everlasting arms. So this whole business of refuge is something which God himself specializes in. And when you and I flee to the Lord Jesus, metaphorically speaking, when we turn to him and seek to commit our lives to him and confess our sin to him, he becomes our place of refuge, our hiding place, the place in which we can shelter and shelter there without fear because he has made an atonement, a covering for our sin. There were six designated cities. We read about them in Joshua 20. And you'll notice that um, they were spread throughout Israel. It is said that no one was more than a day's journey from any of the city of refuge. There was a place to go to, whether you lived in the north of Israel, in the central part of Israel, in the south of Israel, whether you lived on the west of the River Jordan, between the Jordan and the Mediterranean Sea, or whether you lived to the east of the River Jordan. Along the length of Israel, you have these six cities placed. If you look at the geography, and I know you've got maps somewhere in your Bibles, or in an old Bible, you'll find a map on the back. You see that the area to the east of Jordan is much narrower, but it's the same length. So wherever you were in Israel, you could flee to a city of refuge within a day's journey. And I suppose the great central teaching of the gospel is that we can flee to Christ any day of our lives. He's always there. He's always available. He calls us to come to him and to come to him just as we are with all our sinfulness, with all the things that have gone wrong in our living and confess them before him and, and know him as our Lord and Savior, our refuge from the wrath of the eternal. Now, just to interest you, and I'm sure it will, and you'll think about it, if you read the history of Israel, you discover that the Levites were not given an area of land. So the tribe of Levi were not given a particular 
location within Israel. So they didn't have a parcel of land like Naphtali in the north or Judah in the center or the various other tribes who had their own portion. But what they were given was 42 cities. 42 cities which were given from the various tribes and given to the Levites together with uh, an area around them which was more than a mile wide so they could feed their cattle and sheep and so forth on them. Now those 42 cities were all inhabited by the tribe of Levi. And the tribe of Levi was the tribe from which the priests came. So if you were fleeing to a city of refuge, because six of those 42 cities were given as cities of refuge, you would find yourself in a community of of Levites. And the Levites were responsible for teaching the law of God and preaching the law of God to the people. They were like a, a missionary society planted 42 times in the middle of Israel so that no one would be far from a center of teaching, though they might be far from Jerusalem or where the center of worship was. So they were so located that they were easily accessed by each tribe in which they were placed. So those who taught the law and those who were leaders in the law of God and indeed the priestly family came itself from the tribe of Levi. So if you were running away, having committed an accidental slaying, you would find yourself immediately in a place where the law was revered and read and where you would be instructed in the ways of the Lord uh, because you wouldn't be able to go to Jerusalem for any of the great festivals because you'd been somehow or other brought into this position because of accidentally killing someone else. So you had no recourse to the sanctuary, but you had always recourse through the law, through the word of God, to the ongoing teaching of the word. And I just find that a tenderness on God's part. You know, he knew that these men and women who had accidentally killed someone would be isolated from the various functionings of the community. But they were in a place where they're going to constantly be reminded of the good word of God in their lives. Let's say one or two other things about them. Not only were they full of of Levites, but they were in full view from a distance. All of them were on a height. You'll remember that whenever Caleb was saying to Joshua, he said to Joshua, give me this. So you weren't here this morning. Mountain. Mountains are taller than the surrounding plain. And you find that with each of these places, the six that are mentioned, they were all on a high place. So they were in full view. And according to Jewish tradition, every crossroads, every crossroads in Israel was marked at some point with just the single word, refuge. So wherever you were fleeing from, or fleeing to, you had no excuse for missing the way because it was in plain view and you had this signpost refuge. And you were on your way and you knew exactly where you were going and no one could tamper with them. Now something else I discovered this week in my little bit of research, the roads had to be specially maintained every year. Wouldn't that be a great improvement in Pinton? But they had to be maintained every year so that the surface was smooth 
and they had to be clear of all obstruction. They were a minimum, and get this, they were a minimum of 56 feet wide. So the final approaches to these citadels on the hill was 56 feet wide and absolutely carefully maintained. The way to refuge has never bulked. It's never made awkward. Whenever the Apostle Paul was preaching, he talked about the Lord Jesus Christ being placarded before them in poster sizes. Everywhere they turned under the ministry of the Apostle, they were faced with this message. You can find refuge in the Lord Jesus. Absolutely cleanly, cleanly signposted. We've seen already that each was of God's provision. I will designate to you a place to flee in such circumstances. God makes provision. So immediately after the law saying that the soul that sins shall die, or you, if you kill someone, you'd be then killed yourself, God says in Exodus 21, I've actually got a place for those who have accidentally killed someone and brought them into that scenario. First mentioned Exodus 21, you have a full chapter here in the book of Joshua. You have almost a full chapter in Numbers 35. You have almost a full chapter in Deuteronomy 19. Why does God go to such trouble to give us such detail? And I think the teaching's obvious, isn't it? Each is available to all. You can get there. And you might feel, well, I'm, I'm under threat of death from the avenger of blood the one who was designated to take your life because you'd killed one of his family. But I can get there. I can get there and I'll be safe. I can get there and be admitted into the city. And I'm safe there until trial. And if I'm found not guilty, after the death of the high priest, not interesting, after the death of the high priest, I'll be able to go home. But only through that death, the teaching's so evident, isn't it? You and I find peace with God through the death of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we've been remembering this evening. No other way to God. And so for these folk, there's no other way back home until the high priest died. Now let's look at just one or two verses. Thank you, Kevin, for bringing the first one up. I want you to, if you could, bring up verse 3, which I think is up there. I can't see from here. Anyone who kills a person accidentally and unintentionally may flee there and find protection from the avenger of blood. This designated place, and only the designated place, could be the place of refuge. You couldn't go along and say, well, I'm a thousand yards from the place, so I can stay here. I'm half a mile from the place. I'm safe enough because the environs of the place have been given to the Levites and I can see their cows and I must be okay. You had to be within the gate. You had to be admitted to the place of refuge. But once you were admitted, it was impossible for anyone to take your life. And I suppose you and I recognize the security that we have in the Lord Jesus. I hope we do. But once you've entered into Christ, there is something here which is absolutely secure. And so you have in verses 5 and 6. If the avenger of blood pursues him, they must not surrender the one accused. 
because he, filled his na- he killed his neighbor unintentionally without malice of forethought. He is to stay in that city until he has stood trial before the assembly and until the death of the high priest who is serving at that time. You've got to stay there. And you and I are called to live our lives in the presence of Christ. As has already been emphasized, you know, we've been brought into this situation because there is a high priest who's alive forever. And the great epistle to the Hebrews talks about that again and again. We have a high priest. We have a high priest who has died, but who lives in the power of an endless life. And he ever lives to intercede for us. And we're secure in him. And we're brought into this through the death of our high priest. Let me read you a verse or two from Hebrews chapter 6. And I think this illustrates very clearly why this is so prominent. This teaching of the cities of refuge is so prominent in the Old Testament. Hebrews 6 says this. Talking about the, the Lord Jesus. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised, he confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled, and it's the same word as you have in the Old Testament but in the New Testament, we who have fled to take hold of the hope offered to us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where Jesus, who went before us, has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. We flee to him for refuge. And I can remember in the old gospel hymn book in Northern Ireland, there was two songs in there that talked about fleeing to Christ. And I never understood the, the scriptural emphasis until my grandfather one day was talking in the Bible, reading about fleeing as illustrated here in Hebrews chapter 6. If we really recognized, and I talk particularly to those of you who are younger and may not yet be Christians, if we truly recognize that without Christ we are lost and without hope, surely we would flee to him tonight. And just come to him just as we are and say, Lord, here I am. So here is the place of sanctuary in the Old Testament, and he is the place of refuge in the New Testament. Now, one final thing, only it's, it's more than one <laughs> in typical preacher's parlance. What then of the names of these cities? And this really came to me because the Hebron, as we know, or we should know, means fellowship. This place that was a place of enmity against the people of God, after it was conquered by Caleb, was called Hebron. And Hebron means fellowship. So you know what's coming next, don't you? Kadesh, the first city that's mentioned here in verse 7, Kadesh in Galilee, means holy. Shechem, mentioned frequently in the Old Testament, means a shoulder. And you remember the Lord was by Jacob's well when he met the woman at the well. And you have exactly the same emphasis in the vicinity of Shechem, a shoulder, Hebron Fellowship. Bezer, it really is Bezer. It's a stronghold, literal translation. 
Ramoth means exalted. And Golan, you've heard of the Golan Heights, haven't you? So you know it was on a mountain. So Golan means a circle or completeness. So let's put those together and let me just make a brief comment on each. If the Lord is being illustrated in these cities of refuge, you wouldn't be surprised to find one of them called holy, would you? Because our Savior is holy, harmless, undefined, separate from sinners. You wouldn't be surprised that one of them would be called a shoulder. Because you've read the prophecy of Isaiah. And you know a little phrase in there which talks about the Lord Jesus when he comes as having the government upon his shoulder. Hebron means fellowship. And you wouldn't be surprised about that because he calls us into fellowship with himself. Bezer, a strong tower, a stronghold, the place or the one in whom we can trust forever because he's never going to let us down. Ramoth, exalted. Exalted. Wherefore God has highly exalted him, given him a name which is above every name, that of the name of Jesus every knee should bow. What about the circle? Well, it almost always has the idea of eternal. That's why we give one another rings when we get married. It's really a statement that our love is unending, that the circle is complete. Hence, in him all believers are brought together, justified, and taken to glory. Now, you probably think that's a bit fanciful, Peter. I don't think it is. It's been a huge encouragement to me this week. Never looked, in fact, I've never preached this chapter before in all of my life. But it's good to recognize, isn't it, that the, the, word, the one in whom we trust, the one who is our eternal refuge, is the one who has been exalted to the highest place in glory. That he is our strong tower to whom we flee. That we recognize our fellowship with one another is based upon our fellowship with him. That the government is on his shoulder. You know, the Lord is actually in charge of this desperate world. And we need to keep that firmly in our minds. But above all, we need to recognize that he is holy. This one who died for us was sinless. Without that, our salvation would be impossible. Whenever God was speaking to the Israelites in Exodus 21, he said there will be a place, the word is singular, a place that I will designate. And it seems to me that these six cities were chosen to demonstrate what that place truly was. It's the person of the Lord Jesus. One day we're going to see him. What a day that'll be. One day we're going to discover that the one on whom we trusted was far greater and far more wonderful and far more special than we have ever appreciated. I remember the Lord Jesus when he was on the way to um, the village with the two on the way to Emmaus. That he talked to them 
and revealed to them from Moses and all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And I wonder if in that extended Bible reading he touched on Joshua chapter 20. You know those places of refuge that are mentioned in the Old Testament? In fact, we're just walking past one of them now, not far from Hebron. They're all about me. Desmond used one phrase earlier on in the service. He just said simply, it's all about him. And that's our lives. It's all about him. Let's walk with him this week and enjoy his protection and his help for his glory. Let's pray together, shall we? Father, you who are God beyond all praising, we worship you, bow in your presence. We thank you for your word, and we thank you for these fragments of scripture. We praise you that you provided a way of escape for those who accidentally killed someone, that you provided them within easy reach, that you made the way clear, that you put these cities upon a hill so that the place could not be mistaken. And we just praise you for the teaching of your words, which seems to illustrate so clearly the reality of knowing our Savior personally, of coming into the shelter under his wings and there finding peace. We pray that throughout this week, as you give it to us, that you just help each of us to know you better and walk with you more closely in the days ahead for your glory. Amen.